0: I know there are a lot of people that say, hey, listen, you know, churches are just out for, uh, you know, bigger budgets and bigger memberships of what uh, God can do in building his kingdom. But when it comes to the heartbeat of the church, when it comes to the desire of our church, it's it's actually something deeper, uh, something more meaningful, I think something expressed uh, very well by, by Donnie and Liberty today as they describe how they are connected in the life of this church and, and what that means, not only inside the walls, but, but also outside the walls. You see, we want to see people come to know Christ. We want to see people grow in Christ, and we want to see people show Christ to the world. That's what we want. And that's our heartbeat. And we want you to have a part of that. We want you to, to not be an observer of that, but to actually be connected with that, to be part of it, to be woven into the, the same fabric, the same mission and vision. It becomes your mission and vision, not just something that's plastered up on a wall, it's put on a plaque, it's Printed out in the handout, it's preached on on Sunday. But this becomes a part of who you are and what God has called you to do, and who God has called you to be. And so, we want to begin this morning by reminding you again of our mission and vision. And this morning, I'm going to ask you to help me as we we repeat our mission together. But I'll help you by having it put up on the screen for you. How's that? Will that help you? Okay. All right. And as you're saying this, remember when we say Grace Fellowship, we're not talking about an entity. We're not talking about an incorporated entity. We're talking about these people, you. And so it's you. So let's try this together. Grace Fellowship exists to glorify God by bringing people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. Listen, you you could shorten that because you're part of it. And instead of saying grace fellowship, you could say we exist to glorify God by bringing people into a life-changing relationship. And you could personalize it by saying I exist to glorify God by bringing people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, it's not just about what something that's printed on a piece of paper. It's about who you are and what God's called you to do and to be a part of. Now, as you know, our mission then is kind of uh, fleshed out a little bit in our vision. And so I want to share that with you again. I know you've heard it for two weeks straight, but but sometimes it takes repetition to get it, to get it home. Uh, our mission is very simple. Grace Fellowship is a community of believers, a community of faith, where each person believes in Jesus and has a growing faith. And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago, about what it means to believe. And then... Uh, where each person belongs to a a small group and is connected with other believers. We talked about that last week, and, and Donnie and Libby shared about that. You saw, hey, it's not just a matter of coming and sitting in a Bible study for an hour or so. It's a matter of connecting with other believers, having your lives intertwined with them, and then going out together to serve in the name of Jesus out in the community to make a difference for Jesus Christ in the community. And then the last portion, and this is where we're going to focus today, where where you become more like Jesus daily in attitude and action. It's about becoming. Becoming. And so that's that's where we're going to focus today. Now, as we we look at this together, uh, you need to understand that God has a design for each person who believes in Jesus, He has a design. And that design is not an outside-in design. It's an inside-out design. And this is critically important for us to understand. Now, when you open the pages of your Bible, you will find rules and you will find commands. But we do not follow Jesus by following a list of rules or a list of commands. That's not how we follow Jesus. When we follow Jesus, it's about a change of heart and a change of mind internally that lead then to a change of life, a change of attitude, a change of action. As I said, it's inside out, not outside in. It's a matter of being transformed, not conformed. When our kids were a lot younger, they would bake cookies, and they got cookie cutters, and they would cut the cookies out, and they would put them in shapes and images. Now, sometimes they came out of the oven not quite looking like they were designed, okay? That happened from time to time, but but it was fun to be able to say, okay, we're going to make a star. We're going to make an angel, or we're going to make this, or we're going to make that, and, and, and you cut it out in the shape. That's really what it means to be conformed, and that is, that dough had no real choice in the matter. It was imposed, a shape was imposed on it. That's what it means to be conformed, and that's not what it means to follow Jesus, that he gives us a list of rules, and we go, okay, as long as we follow these rules, we'll be like Jesus. No, there's something that happens on the inside of us. There's something God wants to do on the inside of us that makes all the difference. And when we are radically changed on the inside, then the outside cannot help but change. When we're radically changed on the inside, and maybe one of the reasons that the church doesn't look more like Jesus is that we really haven't experienced a radical change on the inside. And what we're trying to do then is to impose these artificial... uh, structures on the outside and say, you're going to look like Jesus. If you've ever tried to get, you may get a child to do something for you uh, by punishment. And eventually you may conform that child just because they're afraid of you. But when you see your child or your grandchild, choose from the inside to do something that you wanted them to do. It's a completely different thing. And so what we're talking about here, what Jesus wants, when we talk about becoming, what we're talking about here is being changed from the inside out rather than from the outside in. Think about an apple tree. A farmer does not get an apple tree to produce by going out and shouting at the apple tree, you will grow apples. Getting a stick and beating on the apple tree, you will grow apples. No, an apple tree grows apples. Why? Because it's an apple tree. You don't pick oranges off an apple tree. You don't pick bananas off an apple tree. You pick apples off an apple tree. Now, the farmer's got a role in making sure that 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 the the soil is good, that there's plenty of water, that it's fertilized, that it's trimmed the way it ought to be. But the tree grows apples because it's an apple tree. I don't do a lot of gardening now, but I used to I used to do gardening, and and it just it was amazing. Every time you plant that seed, and wow, what grew from that seed was exactly. What was supposed to grow from that seed? I never planted peppers and got tomatoes. If I planted tomatoes, I got tomatoes. What we're talking about here is this design. This is the way God has has shaped you. This is the way God has made you to produce fruit that is like Jesus. Now, as I was preparing this message... Um, one, of the, one of the great things about being a pastor in this time is that there's so many resources and things that are available to you online. But then you can find some really, really bad stuff online, too. So you want to be, be careful when you look at that. And I found a whole list of, of sermons and articles that were written with titles similar to this. Ten Steps Towards Christ's Likeness. Six ways to become more like Jesus. Boy, that's easy. Because I could stand up here week in and week out giving you five ways, ten ways, fifteen steps to be more like Jesus. But there's no guarantee you're going to be any more like Jesus. I could could go and and buy in bulk some WWJD bracelets. Y'all remember those? What would Jesus do? Some of you still have them. Okay, I could go buy those in bulk, and I could hand them out to you, have the ushers hand them out to you on Sunday. I could go stand on the street corner, make sure everybody in Greene County had a WWJD bracelet. Let me ask you a question. Would that make them more like Jesus? No. Some of you know that from experience because you wore one, and you go, it didn't do much for me either. I gave them to my kids. It didn't do much for them. And so just ha- just having something external is not necessarily going to make an internal change. And so how do we become more like Jesus? We've talked a little bit about that. It begins, this is a no-brainer, with receiving Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life. That's where it begins. You're not going to become like Jesus if you don't have Jesus living in you. And so that's where it starts. It also, hey, it's a great thing to be connected in a church where you find that environment, that soil that helps you to grow to be more like Jesus. But there are people who have made a profession of Jesus as Savior. There are people whose names are on a church membership role who aren't looking or acting more like Jesus now than they were 10 or 15 years ago. And so is there something missing? And this morning I'd like to share with you what I believe is the missing piece And if we were to find this in our lives, having made a profession of faith in Jesus, having connected in the life of the church, if we could find this, that perhaps we could become more like Jesus daily in attitude and action. And so I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to the 15th chapter of John's Gospel, John chapter 15. Now, again, I want to encourage you, if you have time this afternoon, read the entirety of John 15. It's a, it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful portion of scripture. But, but I'm just going to, I'm going to share with you just these first five verses. And I think this will help us to get a good grip on maybe that missing piece of becoming in your life. John chapter 15. And we're going to look at the first five verses. And this is what we find there I am the, vi- the true vine. This is Jesus speaking. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. All right, so I'm going to give you, so if you doze off, I will go ahead and give you this key piece. Becoming. To become more like Jesus, we must remain or abide, depending on your translation, we must remain or abide in him. And then we're going to try to flesh this out, because I think we need to, we need to hear this. To become more like Jesus, we must remain or abide in him. What does that word mean? To remain or abide means to stay put. It also means to continue in a specified, specific direction. It means to endure. It's always nice when you have thunder in the background. Drives the point home. To stay put, to continue in a specified direction, not going off, left or right. And to endure in that, to keep going. And as we look at this, it it helps us to understand. Jesus is saying, "This this is what I'm calling you to do. If you want to become, then you need to stay put in me. You need to continue in the direction that I'm leading you. And you need to endure in that and not fizzle out, fade off. The key to becoming more like Christ is remaining in him and that is the very thing that most of us struggle to do. Most of us are far more into doing than into being. We work much better with a list than with lingering. Give me the list. But if you're telling me, Jesus, for, to just to wait to hear from you, I got to... <laughs> Man, that's tough. Hey, just give me five things I need to do today to be more like Jesus. And let me get out of here. Jesus said, no, I want you to hang around me. I want you to linger with me. I want you to learn from me. Then you can go. We're in a hurry. And you see, we're easily distracted. There's so many things that 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 draw our attention away, lights and sounds and and senses, and all these things that draw us away. And Jesus is saying, just just come hang with me. Just come stay, just remain right here with me. And that's hard. Parents, you know this. You've got an active three-year-old. Oh, man, this three-year-old is so active. And all you want that three-year-old to do is just come sit with just come sit right here in the chair with me just come just just stay with me and that 3 year old is just fighting and it's just so eager it wants to get away it wants to go and do something and we're just like that with God we're eager to break away we're eager to to go find a, something to do but if we want to become more like Jesus then we need to linger in his presence we need to remain in his presence. Now, the analogy that is given here in, by Jesus is a vine in the branches. It's a grapevine. Most of you know a little bit about grapevines, even if you've never been, grown any of your own. You, you've seen them. You kind of have an idea of what we're talking about here. Jesus is the vine, the Father is the gardener, and we are the branches. So how then do we remain in Jesus, using this analogy, that Jesus gives us here, this picture. And I'd like to suggest three truths here um, that, that help us to understand how we remain. And the first is, it is about connection. It's about connection. Only branches that are connected to the vine have life flowing through them. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do what? You have to speak up because of the rain on the roof. Nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So that means a person could spend their entire lives accumulating vast sums of wealth, building a huge empire, and making a name for themselves that will live for generations. And it mean nothing. Nothing. Apart from me, no matter what you produce, Jesus says, it's nothing. So we don't want to live like that. That's not what we want in our lives. We want to produce something that means something. Nothing we can do ultimately on our own, in our own strength, in our own wisdom, amounts to anything in the end. There's a wonderful expression, though, that the Apostle Paul uses over and over in the New Testament in his letters. In Christ... That is our location. That is where we are to remain. In Christ. If we're going to become, then we're going to need to live in Christ. It's also about dependence. The branch is completely and totally dependent on the vine. Cut the branch off, it withers and dies. There'd be no life flowing into the branch anymore. When the branch though remains attached to the vine, then it produces fruit. It produces what it's supposed to produce. What kind of fruit then is it to produce? We don't have to guess at that. because. The Apostle Paul tells us in his letter to the Galatians what it is that we're to produce. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. But these cannot be produced if we are not connected and dependent on the vine, if we are dependent on ourselves. And the problem is… That many of us want to live our lives, go out doing our own thing, doing our own way, doing it in our own strength, and doing it by our own wisdom. How many of you remember the bumper sticker, Jesus is my co-pilot? Okay, you'd see it plastered on somebody's car. Jesus is my co-pilot. And I think the, the intent was that, hey, I'm, Jesus is coming along with me in life. Well, obviously, we know as believers that Jesus doesn't need to be the co pilot. Jesus needs to be in the driver's seat, and we probably need to be in the back seat. He's the one in charge, He's the one leading us, He's the one going. But in reality, you know what? Jesus isn't our co pilot. We've got Jesus duct taped in the trunk, we're driving. We're going to go where we're going to go. We're going to do what we're going to do. Jesus is just along for the ride. And to keep him quiet, we've duct taped him and shoved him in the trunk. Now you look at that and you go, I don't like that. That's a terrible picture. But let's face it, for many of us, that's much closer to reality than Jesus being in the driver's seat. For us to become, then we must be dependent... On him. The third truth is this it's about continuation. It's about continuation. The branches were not connected to the vine with velcro so that they could be detached and reattached at will. No, for branches to be alive, vital, fruit producing, they must continue to be connected. If you've been at church any time at all, then you have seen people who have come forward on a Sunday morning and they seem very, very genuine, very, very remorseful over their sin. They may have even been praying. They come and they just say, Hey, listen, I wanna I wanna invite Jesus into my heart. I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. And they may come and they they join the church and they get baptized, and then it's not long before you don't see them anymore. And then once you discover where they are, you, you find out that they're right back to where they were. There seems to be no change, no, nothing in their lives that has, has adjusted in any way because of this time of remorse and repentance and decision. We're not the first generation to see something like this. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul wrote about it in the first letter, a letter called 1 John, chapter 2, verse 19, and he writes this. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they would belonged to us, then they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of us that none of them belonged to us. In other words, they looked like they belonged, but they left. And the reason they left is because they weren't really part of us. Now, I don't get to be the judge on that, okay? That's not my call. But what John is observing, is what we have observed, is that there are some people who look like they are attached to the vine, and yet they don't remain connected. There's, There's no continuation that takes place in their lives. Remaining in Christ means that we are connected to Him, and it means that we are connected with His body, His church. It's not just me and Jesus against the world. When I'm connected with Jesus, I'm connected with his body. You don't get the bride, the groom without getting the bride. You can't say, hey, I love Jesus, but I hate his wife. That doesn't fly too well in our relationships, does it? If somebody said to you, you know, I kind of like you, but I hate your wife. Why in the world do we think we can treat... The bride of Christ, the church like that. Love Jesus, just don't care for the church. His bride. Now, admittedly, the bride's got some issues from time to time. But we don't cast out the bride because the bride belongs to the groom. What we see in the New Testament is a, when a person makes a commitment to Christ, they're immediately brought within the life of the local church. They're immediately brought in. Their, their lives are intertwined, intermixed, united with the local church. It's important because to be come means that we are connected to Jesus and connected to his church. If you've ever seen grapevines, then what you won't see is a a vine coming up and just one branch going off. Now, what you'll see is from that one vine, there are many branches that come off. And I I remember this so well because my grandfather grew grapes. And he had the grapes. They were actually in, um, they grew up and then they grew over. And you can literally walk under and pick grapes in the shade. It was pretty cool. But you couldn't tell where one vine started and the other one stopped. They were all intertwined, intermixed, woven together. And that is such a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be. Together, we're producing fruit. Together, we're connected to the vine. Together, we are the branches, interwoven, interconnected, becoming together what God has called us and created us to be. To become, to become the person God has designed you to be, you need to remain in Christ. And you need to remain in Christ's body, the church. That enables a believer to bear greater fruit. It enables the church to fulfill its mission. And it enables God to get greater glory. Let me just share one scripture with you and then we're going to wrap it up. One scripture in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 7. And it says this. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue. Continue to live your lives in Him. Rooted and built up in Him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. That means being part of the body of Christ and overflowing with thankfulness for it all. As we bring this message to a close, it's also a time of of invitation and perhaps even challenge for some of you because you sit here and the first thing you have to ask yourself is, perhaps the reason I'm not becoming the person that I know God's created me to be is because I've never given my heart and my life to Jesus I've never really surrendered to him. I've wanted the get out of of hell free card. But I've never really wanted to belong to him. And today, because of something God has spoken into your life today, you're ready to say, "This this is my new start. This is my new beginning today. I want to give myself fully to Jesus. Surrender to him as Savior and Lord of my life. For some of you, you said, hey, listen... I've got this Jesus thing down pat. I, I, I know I, I was a sinner. I know I didn't deserve it. Jesus died for me on the cross. I've accepted that. I've received that. But I never really understood that God wanted to be connected with the life of a local church like this. And today I understand this is what God's calling me to do. And, and in order to become the person I, I, that God's called me to be, I need to just not only linger in Him, but I, I need to be a part, be connected with this local church body. And if God's calling you to do that, I want to call you to surrender to that as well. Some of you may just need to come and pray. You recognize your life is not where God wanted it, wants it to be. And you realize that you're the reason. You're standing in the way. Now that sounds maybe harsh, a little cruel. I don't mean it to be that way. The Bible says that we can quench the work of the Spirit. We can get in the way of what God wants to do in our lives. And the only answer for that is repentance and commitment. We come and and we repent. What does repent mean? It means we recognize we're going the wrong way and we stop. We turn to God and we say, God, I'm sorry. And we get up and we rise to follow him. Whatever it is that the Lord is leading you to do this morning, I want to encourage you, I want to invite you to respond to him. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, as we hear the rain fall on the roof of this building, we're first of all grateful that we're sitting here dry. But secondly, Lord, we we thank you for the reminder of your grace that is flowing and ever-flowing far, far more heavy and full and abundant than the water that's falling from the sky right now. And I pray, Lord, that you would open up the floodgates of heaven and you would pour out grace and mercy into the lives of these who are here today. And I ask, Father, that if you are drawing them to make a decision today, drawing them to yourself, drawing them to your Son as Savior, drawing them into the life of the church, drawing them to repentance and a new beginning Lord. whatever it is that you're calling them to do in order to become that this morning will be that time of decision and so lord here we stand move in us and move us for we pray it in jesus name amen